Welcome into the August edition of the Cattails Podcast and the August Ask the AD with Weber State Athletic Director Tim Crompton. I'm Paul Grua, Director of Athletic Communications, and joined by the voice of the Wildcats, Steve Klauke. Steve, we have a lot to talk about, but not what we wanted to talk about. No, I'm not really the voice of anything right now, it <laughs> seems like, but uh, hopeful that uh, things can come around uh, and we can start playing uh, events uh, in uh, the basketball season. Yeah, we do have a lot to get to with with Tim Crompton, our athletic director, all the news that has come out, of course, over the last few weeks. And at this point now, we're, we're, we're postponed all events until the fall and... It's been said, you know, Tim, that this has been the craziest month or at least especially a few weeks in the history of college athletics. And uh, what's it been like for you? Well, let me first say thank you for having me on. And Steve, you still have a voice. <laughs> you still are the voice. It's, it's, uh, it, and it's an exceptional voice. So we appreciate you being here and everything that you do for us at Weber State. Um, oh, I appreciate being here. There's yeah, no doubt. It's our pleasure, certainly. To answer your question... I think it's obvious it's, it's not, not anything uh, that anyone isn't talking about in terms of across the country, about conferences and institutions canceling their, their competition in the fall, and, and the, the Big Sky has followed suit with that, what, an hour ago, a little over an hour ago, I think made that public. And, um, and we're right there. You know, I think the challenges are, are simply that it gets difficult to put together a schedule. And if we just use our own conference as an example, where institutions are in different states and they're at different places and they're being governed in a different way in their own local and state health departments and, and how that is making it difficult to have consistency in terms of putting together a schedule. When teams can start practicing, teams are already started to practice and some haven't, and so on and so forth. So having to try to figure out how to deal with all of those challenges really landed us at this point. I would think that uh, you take a look at the fall sports uh, and it's more feasible, I would think, that, and maybe easier, maybe not the word, but, uh, moving soccer, moving volleyball, moving cross country over to the spring. Uh, football is a whole uh, different bag of worms when it comes to trying to find a spot for it. Correct. I think the obvious response to that is is that none of this has been done before. And so, yes, theoretically, it's easier to move those Olympic sports over into the spring. However, it still does present a lot of challenges that nobody's had to meet before. Football always is going to be, it's, it, it just has its own separate situation. You know, I mean, challenges, if you will, just based off of the nature of the sport, the nature, the, the number of kids that are that are participating in the sport, and that that's going to be interesting to see how the, what the model looks like for the for the spring season in in football. We don't have a model right now. Mm -hmm. I know that there are people diligently working on it as we speak, and we all are anxious to see what that model looks like and see if we can have bright minds figure out how to play two college football seasons in the same calendar year. And that really is where the rubber hits the road. That, that's going to be the biggest challenge. And is that safe? And I believe that there is a way. I'm hopeful that there is a way. I know our kids hopeful are hopeful and coaches are hopeful and fans are hopeful that there is a way. 
but that's where we are now. Don't it's all speculations because we don't have that model. But that's a very solid point that you and, make, Steve. And, and if uh, you know football is going on in the spring, if it happens in soccer and volleyball and, and cross country, it really puts a strain on facilities because, especially the Mark Park Center, because if the weather's bad, everybody's going to want to use it to get ready. Correct. I think that if there's one thing that we have kind of come to terms with over the past six months is months is that in this current environment, there's just going to be things that aren't fair. Is it fair that if we have a spring football season that we're in a situation that we can't be practicing on a full field outdoors like someone else might be in a warm weather state? Or is it, I mean, as an example, um, is it fair that, that said school can start practicing a little earlier than another school? I think that's kind of out the window, that part. I think we're at a place now is we just have to all deal with whatever challenges we have in front of us and try to make it work for our own student-athletes, our own coaches, fans, and the sport, uh, sporting community in general. How the coaches handled it? Well, they're disappointed. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they understand. They, they understand how we arrived here. I think the fall sports have a, a, a little better understanding it, of it as we sit here this morning. Because unlike the spring sports where it felt like the rug was a little bit yanked out from underneath them more so than the fall sports where there's been a lot leading up to this. This has been a lot of talk about how we're dealing with it. The COVID-19 virus has been in, in our communities for now six months or so. So that has, uh, so I wouldn't say it's been, a, it comes as a surprise to our fall sports, but none, nonetheless, not less disappointing. You know, there were so many options on the table all summer long. Everybody's talking about different models and things like that. You had numerous, countless meetings, I'm sure, on Zoom and, and various things with ADs. And as you said, we've got, what, 13, especially in football, 13 schools, eight different states. Everybody's got different rules. So what were the discussions like uh, amongst the ADs and then also the presidents uh, leading up to this decision? Well, I think that's a pretty big question because there were so many discussions. So to put that succinctly would be difficult. I think that I would, I would put just a, a, a statement over that by saying difficult. That's what the discussions were like. D- trying to answer questions that we didn't have any idea of how to answer them as we went along. And, um, but we have a group of, well, at this institution, you know, we have a president that's an amazing leader. And so well thought out, well informed. Um, has the best interests of our students here at Weber State um, and staff and faculty in mind. So there wasn't anything or any decision that he would go forward with that wasn't um, had been thought out, in, uh, you know, a lot. So to to say what they were like, I think is it's, that's a hard question to ask. I think that the best way I can say is they were difficult. Yeah, no question. What was it like to tell the tell the player, tell the student athletes as well? Same, yeah. you know. I mean, I, nobody ever wants to sit in in front of a group of kids of who, at their point in their lives where they they've devoted a lot of time and energy to their sport, to who what they do right now to become a Division One athlete, and tell them that, hey, listen, I know you worked really hard for this, but you're not going to have a season. That wasn't um, something that they they wanted to hear necessarily but they they handled it really well i was really proud of the way our student athletes reacted i 
they they were more of the mindset okay well if we're not doing this now what what then is next what what do what how can we move forward and that was refreshing in talking with your peers in regards to this whole situation uh, uh, and i don't want you to throw anybody under the bus uh, or be specific but in general was it fairly unanimous or were there some schools that were really fighting hard not to play and really fighting hard to play? Yeah, I, I think again, with every question, and, and here's, the, here's the issue when you talk about the, the previous question, Paul, about you know, what was it like? And then you asked that question. Well, there's just so many things you have to unpack there. You know, I would say it was a, unanim, a unanimous decision to postpone our competition in the fall. And for a lot of different reasons, but yes. Um, and everybody, again, as I said earlier, is in a different place. And, and it's not a knock on anyone. It's just the reality of it is. And I think that as, an, as a conference and as an athletic um, director's group, we were cognitive of those things. And of course, the, the big monster in the background, we talk about the student athletes wanting to play, the coaches wanting to coach and all that. But from a financial standpoint, obviously some of the, the Power Five conferences that have stepped back, they're going to lose out on some big-time TV money, something the Big Sky gets a little of but not big-time uh, money. What about the financial effect that this is going to have on the school, specifically Weaver State? Right. Well, I think that everybody has a, a different challenge. We are fortunate at Weaver State to have good leadership and, and foresight when it comes to finances, not just in athletics, but across the campus. And, and, and certainly that's, that's really critical to where we sit now. But make no mistake, when you lose the distribution that we lost from the NCAA, that we lose the revenue that we lose from football this season, not being able to play a game against Wyoming in the Mountain West, all those things start to add up. And there is an impact. And we have a, you know, we're going to have to, well, we are going to be faced with some challenges in, in terms of how we absorb that impact uh, financially, but we will. So going forward, uh, still obviously a lot of questions remain about what the fall will look like for, for those, especially those fall teams. Uh, still questions about practice. Will they be allowed to practice? And can football held like a spring practice in the fall? Those questions still to come, right? Sure. I think that's probably what's on the forefront of our coaches' minds right now. And then, obviously, that filters down to the players, the student-athletes. And right now, we're waiting on some clarification from the Division One Council on the NCAA. And we anticipate we'll have something in place by the middle of next week Football being its own separate entity in terms of you know their how their season works is not the same as how volleyball and soccer works. You know, they have a start date and end date. Those other two sports have a number of days they can practice. What they don't use in one uh, segment, they can use in the other segment, and how that plays out. And there's a lot of things for them to 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 kind of come to terms with and, and put some clarification and they are doing that. They, they know that that's what has to happen right now. So we fully anticipate, though we won't be in competition, that we will be in sport, that our, our kids will be participating in the sport they signed up to, to participate here at Weber State. It's almost like we're just kind of flipping the, the fall sports from their regular season in the fall to the spring and what we do in the spring on some level in the fall. So we won't be doing any less. We'll just be doing it at different times of the year. That, that's really where we are right now. 
you know, it's interesting when you take a look at it, and obviously every institution, the athletes are disappointed, but uh, all I could think of, uh, uh, even going back to last year, the anticipation of this year and the possibility of great success for not only football, but for cross country, for volleyball coming off that great run at the end of last year, and even soccer looking for a bounce back season. It's just uh, uh, just so frustrating to think about what might have been. Yes, I agree. I, that that Those conversations have seemed to have been lost over the last few months. And we talk a lot less about, you know, the actual competition on the field because we have so many, so many guidelines and regulations and, and concerns that we have to address to even get to that place. And so, yeah, that is disappointing. And, and, but they'll have their chance. Those, those kids will come back, the, the NCAA and, and the institution will do everything we can to, to make it right so they have an opportunity to, to still compete. And, but it'll be different for each individual kid. But to your point, to, to your statement there, if you will, Steve, is yeah, we have some really good football, or really good football, volleyball, soccer, cross country, all of our sports are really good. I mean, you could go on and on. You know, look at softball last year, mm-hmm. getting their season canceled and coming off the year they had prior and hosting the tournament and track and host the championships mm-hmm. and all those things kind of went out the window with um, the, the pandemic. But, but like I said, I've been very impressed with the resilience and, and the questions and the attitude of our student athletes. And I think that plays into why they're good. If they weren't that way, they wouldn't. You wouldn't have mentioned any of those things, and those are key attributes to being a good team, to being a good athlete. So I have a lot of confidence in them. Another question that gets asked a lot is about tied to those a little bit is eligibility. Still, NCA hasn't made decisions on that, but we're assuming everybody will still maintain their same eligibility. Yeah, assumption is is one I I can't go with. I I, I, <laughs> I understand. I, I I can't even really begin to to say anything about what the eligibility will look like and how that will play out. I just know that uh, what I can say is that at this institution, given whatever parameters we're given, we'll do everything we can to to make it right with within our ability. Yeah. So another question out there is, it's three months away, but what about basketball? You know, what, what men's and women's basketball, what needs to be in place now or what needs to be in place then for it, for it to work? Good question as well. I, I think that, that there's some testing protocols that are going to be into, that are in process or, or actually guidelines that are mandated to sports that are in competition, whether they're in season, preseason, uh, off-season in basketball, if we were going to call that a winter sport, that they are not actually in season yet, but they are in, they're in their preseason, if you will. So there's some protocols there that uh, we have to do surveillance testing, and we feel pretty confident that we can meet those requirements for basketball. What it looks like in terms of where they go play and, and how they get there, and uh, those things haven't been answered for us right now. We're just hoping that um, that we're in a different place in in we can manage it differently than we can. We're only talking about, you know, it, it's it, there are less people, mm-hmm. less students to manage because they're the only two sports, the men and the women's basketball being played at that time. And um, so I, I don't have the answer yeah, to yeah. what it looks like. I, I just hope that we're in a different place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, everything's kind of on hold right now for the coaches. Yes, correct. Which... 
Which makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think that that was something that the NCAA came out with immediately and and has stood by that. And I, and I feel like that's been a good thing to keep everyone at least on an even playing field when it comes to that. Um, but the testing protocols will be a big part of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's also a factor as to, you know, not only us not being able to put to, potentially put together a schedule for our fall sports, not just football. But for volleyball, so when you see other institute or other conferences start to drop off and move to the spring, is the testing protocols had something to do with that? Whereas, you know, there's these guidelines and, and from te from a testing standpoint, where results needed to be get got given back to to the athletic trainers and, and to our medical staff and and those the time timeliness of those result test results was making it difficult. And uh, hopefully we can get past that on the, in the basketball season. You know, they talk about in-game adjustments in all sports, but uh, the coaching staffs are having to make uh, out-of-game adjustments on how they approach things. And uh, it's like, from what I've read and what I've heard, uh, it sounds like uh, everybody here uh, is making those adjustments and uh, handling it pretty well. Yeah, I agree with that. We have a good group of, of not only coaches, and athletes, but staff, and, and again, the institution at large is, it, it kind of trickles down from, from leadership of the institution, and that's correct. I think that we've had to pivot, not, not just here in athletics, but in society in general. People have had to, to have decide and you know, step things and just learn how to do things a little bit differently and make the best of the situation that they're in, and we're no different than that. And yeah. I think that the, the institutions, and if we just specifically talk about athletics and teams and coaches, the ones that do that the best will get the will will have an advantage when when they actually start to compete. Yeah, before all this, I thought Zoom was something the the noise that a car made when it took off, and now it, you got <laughs> you know meetings. And and you mentioned last month on the show that uh, you know re recruiting has changed quite a bit when it when you can recruit with a lot of Zoom uh, con uh, conferences and meetings. Yeah, Zoom. We've all become fairly well accustomed to Zoom. I will say though, and I think I said this last month that there are some things that that will come out of the last six months in, in the pandemic that we've been required or just have had to do uh, based off of the fact we couldn't do them how we used to do them that are better, that, that are more efficient, that are, and not just from a time standpoint, but from a financial standpoint, that we will carry forward, that we will continue to do in the future. And, and um, so I'm always trying to look for things like that because it's easy to go the other way. Yeah. Those are easy to identify. But well, one. you're off the hot seat. You probably feel like it's two against one here on the hot seat. Again. We're <laughs> no, peppering you with questions. So I'm happy to talk but, about all things Weber State. Yeah, what, a, what an incredible time, isn't it? How about one good thing? Uh, this is an easy question. How good is Damian Lillard? Wow. He's unreal. I think that you're the one, you guys are the, you should be talking about those highlights. He's, uh, what do you have, 61 the other night in a real close game and seems to be, I mean, I, I was listening to the radio this morning, I'm on, on my way in early and they're going to say they're going to have a, a tournament or a seeding MVP mm -hmm. and if they were Like to, a bubble yeah, MVP, yeah. And that he's yeah. front runner for it right now, as he well should be. Unreal. That's how we do things at Weaver State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We That's only right. produce the very best. So he's a guy that uh, 
uh, has taken a Portland team that was on the outside looking in and uh, basically uh, a win away from uh, getting into the play-in, being the number eight seed, and uh, uh, that's quite a tip of the cap to him because he's uh, he's been vocal both off the floor and on the floor as a leader, which we saw here when he was here. Yeah, I think the, the, the best thing I can say about that is is that we are extremely proud to be able to, to mentioned that Damian Lillard played and was a student here, a student athlete here at Weber State. But conversely, he's done the same thing. He's he's been like that about going being a student athlete here at Weber State himself. But he, he certainly shows pride in that, speaks to it, and um, yeah, we're pretty happy to see him do well. well. Paul, along those lines, remember a couple of years ago, the last time football played at Portland State, he was on the sideline yes, for the whole yes, game. He was. He's about as loyal as you can get. Yeah, he is a loyal sure. guy. Mm-hmm. Coach Ray said that numerous times. Yeah. He is so loyal. And he's a, he's a, yeah. He's playing lights out right now. Yeah, though. If I'm the Lakers, I don't want to have anything to do with <laughs> Damian and Trailblazers right now. Exactly, exactly. It was also kind of fun. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, uh, Tim and uh, Paul. We talked about it earlier uh, in your office, but uh, another former Wildcat got some uh, time on uh, HBO last night uh, on the uh, Hard Knock show. He was uh, released. By the by, the Los Angeles Chargers, and uh, he showed a little wildcat spirit. Uh, a little upset that he got cut, and uh, it's great to see a talent like that uh, get some time. And uh, hopefully, he'll get a chance in the National Football League. I believe another team, possibly Carolina, picked him up. But uh, he was one of the best college tight ends I've ever seen. And you are talking about Andrew Waller. Yeah, Andrew Waller. Yeah, he was a great player here. Mm-hmm. And about and a great kid too. Boy, he made some tremendous plays here on the football field. Good student. Um, you know everything you would want from a student athlete mm-hmm. as they come out of Weber State. But I don't have a lot of time to watch Hard Knocks, so I didn't see it. Um, <laughs> I just had to I, catch it last night. He's time. working out with the Panthers, and, and, so and hopefully that'll work. Certainly, um, the fact that he's out there and he's getting it done, and, and he's in the mix, and he's giving himself an opportunity. It's a pretty competitive league. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things can, you know, a lot of things got to go your way to to get into the right place at the right time. Especially this year without any preseason games yeah. to show yourself. Yeah. But he's got talent. No yes, doubt about that. Well, it's going to be a very different fall than we've ever experienced. You know, we're all so used to football games and soccer and volleyball, everything else in the fall. And it's going to be very different. But it'll also be an opportunity to continue to, to grow and, and show our brand of Weber State and, and look forward to the future. Well, we'll shift our focus. You know, obviously, we won't be focused on playing games, traveling, competing, standings, <laughs> and things like that. Uh, our focus will shift to, not that we don't have focus on it now, because we do, academics, mental health, things like that, but there'll just be a, a bigger, more time spent on those things and more resources put into those things, because that'll be the main focus of, these, of, our, of our student athletes. And certainly, we want to be the best at that. Because we know that 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 um, is something that every institution in the country who's not competing in the fall is going to have to focus on. But we want to be better at it than anyone. Yeah. So that'll be our focus. Just just a shift of focus. Won't be less work. Might be more work. Be different work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know our student athletes will come out of it better. Our coaches will come out of it better, and hopefully, as a community, we'll come out of it better than when we entered it. That's what we want. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll continue to do these, and we'll visit with you once a month, if not more, and and look forward to talking again down the line. All right, go Cats!